know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is just Jam and Joe, the Van Brawl Seasons podcast. On today's episode, we're talking some Georgia Bulldog basketball, some Atlanta Hawks basketball, and RG3. There's one big event also going to be in Atlanta on Sunday, and that is none other than Super Sunday. Yeah, that's right, OG3. It's Super Bowl Sunday. The LA Rams, or as I have called them now, the Atlanta Rams, will be battling everyone's least favorite team in the world, other than the Saints, the New England Patriots. <laughs> RG3, what are you excited about this matchup, honestly? I am pretty excited about this matchup. Uh, I mean, for one, there's you have two really big recent UGA players uh, going head-to-head, well, almost head-to-head. And it's, I mean, two great powerhouses. I mean, you have last year's uh, returning players, and then you also have, um, to me, it sort of feels like a younger team uh, coming up to fight as well. So Right, right. I'm, I'm really excited to see how the young Rams handle themselves. I know the Patriots have all the experience and all that, but I'm really excited to see what Sean McVay, the youngest coach, in NFL history, and uh, Marist High School uh, alumni. He's from Atlanta, too, so that's cool, you know, getting to coach the Super Bowl in the town you grew up in, so to speak, for high school. Uh, That's exciting, too. I really like Sean McVay. He's a really good guy. And I know between the both of us, we don't really like the Patriots all that much, but Bill Belichick did pay the University of Georgia Bulldogs a really good compliment. So I heard about that. So I guess that's good. But to me, until Tom Brady goes and until the Falcons win the Super Bowl, I will never like the Patriots. <laughs> I love Sony Michelle, RG3. I hope what happens. Sony Michelle runs for 150 yards, but the Patriots lose. Yeah. That's what I yeah. want. That's what I want. What about you? What, what, are, what do you want to happen? Um, I mean, I, I want the Patriots to lose just because I'm, I'm tired of Gronk and Tom Brady. It's and- Alabama NFL. Yeah, yeah, you're it's right. It's really boring, really monotonous. So speaking of the Super Bowl, RG3, when we when you think of the Super Bowl, some of the other things you think of are commercials. RG3, do you have a favorite brand or a favorite commercial that you like when it comes to the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't know if I have a 
Mm, I don't know. I I do like the Dorito commercials. The time the time machine with one. the little kid. Yes, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. I like those. I'll be honest with you. As far as me, I'm I really like the Bud Light ones. I think the whole Dilly Dilly concept was just outstanding, and mm. how they have like and how they have like the medieval times and stuff. I think that's really funny. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Dilly Dilly. I, I don't know why. I just. Not my cup of tea. I guess Richard's not up for whatever, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess another one that I really like, we've talked about it in the past couple of weeks, is uh, is Geico. Um, I wonder if they're going to make an appearance. And, uh, well, you know that's why they're bringing all their old commercials. I know, back. dude. Maxwell the Pig is in no. gift form. That's right, no. fan for all seasons fans. <laughs> Maxwell the Pig is in a gift. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, so anyway, so we digress. So, RG3, can you give us a Super Bowl prediction? Super like a score? Oh, gosh. Um, let's do... I'm going to say... Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to say 24 to 21. Ooh, Rams? Rams. Ooh, good game. Good game. I like that. I, I'm, I'm looking for a more high, higher scoring effect. I got the Rams winning 34 to 31. And there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think we're going to see a lot of Todd Gurley run. I think the Patriots are going to try to take that away. But I think that's when young Jared Goff is going to step up and make a couple big throws um, to defeat the New England Patriots and have them win 34-31. to mm-hmm. I've got Jared Goff as my dark horse uh, for MVP, Super Bowl MVP. I'm telling you, he, he he's just lying in the weeds. And, and what's interesting is he and uh, Ben Roethlisberger – have something in common. So Ben Roethlisberger won his first Super Bowl in 2006 in his third year. Jared Goff is entering his third year and has a chance to win his first Super Bowl. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Oh yeah, one last thing. RG3, I guess we'll get some candid shots of our of our Super Bowl party for our Fan for All Seasons fans on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. You and me living it up. That's right. We're going to be watching the Super Bowl together. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for our for our football bit. RG3 and I are going to have a good time watching the Super Bowl on Sunday with good friends, and hopefully we'll be listening to a little uh, sweet victory with our man SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Should be fun. Should be fun. All right, so RG3, we've got we've also got some basketball to talk here. Are we are we going to college basketball here? We sure are. So we're going to talk about some UGA. And uh, so they played Texas this weekend, and – they shot a team best of 66% from the field and 70% from the three-point line. What part of Georgia's elite shooting impressed you the most? I guess the thing that really impressed me with Georgia's elite shooting day was the quality of shots they took. They, they took shots in the flow of the offense. And remember how I talked a few weeks ago, RG3 about Georgia is their spacing. Georgia did a really good job of spacing the floor against Texas and get and giving both the forwards and the guards a chance to be able to drive the ball inside and kick the shooters and have people come off screens and cut and just spacing was beautiful. And like Coach Crean says, when the ball is moving and finding energy, that's when Georgia's at their best. And they found some energy last Saturday against Texas. RG3, I've never seen a shooting day. Like, like the one I saw last Saturday. That was a sight to behold. Uh, that was really fun to watch. And and so I guess that's the thing that really impressed me was the quality of shots Georgia took. I know they had 26 turnovers, and some people are going to 
And some people are going to look at the negative and be like, yeah, 26 turnovers. But when you shoot the ball like that, you, you got a chance. How, how was the rebounding? Uh, the, the rebounding was good. I think Georgia won the rebounding more that day. That's good. And that's a vital point of Georgia's is being able to win the rebounding war. But with all the size they have up front between Rayshon Hammonds, Nicholas Claxton, and, and Derek Obede inside, I mean, there's no question Georgia shouldn't win the rebounding war in pretty much all their games for the rest of the year. Georgia's just got too much size. And that also leads to second chance points on offense, too. And being able to get defensive rebounds, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. In the Arkansas game last night, the turnovers and the inability to make free throws really hurt UGA. Uh, what can what can they do to clean up these mistakes um, for the next game against South Carolina? Well, well, RG3, what, what I would say, as far as the turnovers, is Georgia needs to just figure out who on this team is going to be able to play point guard for the rest of the year, whether it's going to be Tishon Hightower, whether it's going to be Terrell Jackson. I know neither one of these guys are considered a true point guard, so to speak. But you need to just stick with one and just let it lie. I think that's kind of the issue right now. I know Georgia doesn't have a true point guard. I guess you could kind of, and, and I know that's challenging to not have a true point guard. But but you got to just have a guy and stick with it. I guess you could equate it to football. When you don't have a starting quarterback and you start pulling uh, your backup and your for your third string and, you know, different things like that. And, and Georgia's uh, well too familiar with that. In 2015 and 2016, Georgia, uh, with football, played multiple quarterbacks. And at one time during the Kentucky game, all three quarterbacks were announced. And so basically, if you have three quarterbacks, that doesn't mean you really have one. And it's the same with point guards. You might have three different guys playing point guard, but until you have one true point guard, you, you need somebody to create stability. And hopefully Georgia can either find that in Tishon Hightower or Turtle Jackson. Yeah, and I mean, you you need to have that team leadership uh, as well. You do. But but I would expect Georgia in the recruiting cycle next year to do a good to do their homework and find that floor general that Coach Green desperately needs mm-hmm. because Turtle Jackson's a senior and he'll graduate. And I honestly think T-Shot Hightower is more of a shooting guard, more of a two than a one. You know, Georgia just needs him to play the one for about 12 to 15 more games, and then maybe he can switch to more off the ball mm-hmm. if that's what Coach Green wants. Yeah. You know, he'll really just have to evaluate and see and see what's out there in the recruiting world and see what we can get. All right. So what insight do you have for our listeners uh, for the South Carolina game on Saturday? Well, as far as South Carolina RG3, I've got, I've got some notes here. Uh, when it comes to South Carolina, there are two people that you need to be concerned with. And with that, uh, player number one is Chris Silva. He is their leading scorer. He's averaging 13.9 points per game, and he's averaging 25.3 minutes played per game. He's shooting 50% from the field, and he's also South Carolina's leading rebounder, averaging 7.1 rebounds per game. He's 6'9". He's a senior. He's been through the wars in the SEC. He's play, He's played against Georgia a, a ton, and he's killed Georgia at times. And Georgia's and Georgia has had issues with trying to control his activity inside. But but that would be my number one focus in the scouting report is trying to slow down Chris Silva and really put a body on him when you're on offense, uh, trying to go up for rebounds like offensive rebounds, and then when you're on defense, you you can't. You, 
You can't let a crafty guy like Chris Silva get in the paint and let him operate. You know, that's where he really does his damage. I watched some of the Tennessee game last night, and Chris Silva has also developed a three-point shot, so Georgia just can't allow him to get in the flow of the offense and maybe step out to three-point land and just think, oh, I'm okay, he's out at the three-point line because he can shoot it a little bit too. So Georgia's just going to have to be ready and just D up Chris Silva as much as they can. Uh, the, the other guy when it comes to South Carolina basketball is A.J. Lawson. He's their leading assist man. He's averaging 2.7 per game, 12.7 points per game. He is a freshman. He, he is a dynamic uh, athletic point guard, and uh, he, he's done really well in his freshman year. He's actually supposed to be in high school, but he reclassified, made the jump to college a year early. He's, uh, I think he's from Canada, I believe. And so Georgia's just going to have to do, do a good job of not letting him establish himself too and get South Carolina in the flow of their offense and, and let him uh, create passing lanes for his buddy Chris Silva down low. So if Georgia can stop A.J. Lawson and uh, do their best to, to, to limit Chris Silva's touches inside, Georgia will be just fine. But that's a tall task. Hmm. But that's life in the SEC, dude. It really is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. This time of year, no, nothing is easy. Nothing is easy. But but Georgia is ready to embrace the challenge. You you know, they came off a really tough ten point loss to Arkansas last night, where Georgia shot where Georgia shot seven of twenty four from three point land. They were twenty nine percent from the field, and they only shot fifty two percent from the foul line. If Georgia can clean up. Their ability to making easy lamps inside for like Derek Obede and Torian Rolridge and getting Rayshon Hammonds going. I think Georgia's going to be just fine. But Georgia's got to find consistency in the backcourt. Definitely in the backcourt. And because and, and what you've seen from the big men is the big men have brought their hard hats and, and done a good job of rebounding and uh, just really gotten after it inside. It's really up to the guards now. The guards just have to step up. That's really what I see with this Georgia team. I'm really excited about the South Carolina game on Saturday. And it's going to be another sellout, another electric atmosphere inside the Stags. So come early and be loud. All right, all right. So moving on over to uh, the professional guys who get paid. Um, the Hawks begin their Western Road trip with a... 123 and a 118 victory over the LA Clippers. Uh, what stood out to you the most from this this victory? Well, RG3, the thing that stood out to me the most from the Clipper game Monday night, Monday night was the explosive play of Trey Young, who had 26 points. He had eight assists. You know, Trey Young was able to get to the basket at well and able to create. And give his teammates scoring opportunities. Dwayne Dedman had 10 rebounds and did a good job inside. And had a really nice dunk uh, early in the game. Torian Prince had two blocks. And Kevin Herter had two steals. And and so the Hawks had kind of a balanced attack from Trey Young and uh, John Collins. Who who are both playing just really, really good basketball. And you, and you see the rapport that those two have together. Where Trey Young... We'll, we'll throw it up to John Collins and let him go get it. I, it it's really, really fun watching these two uh, these two play together. It's it's really fun. And and so those are the two things that really stuck out to me with the Clipper game. The other thing about the Clipper game, RG3, it, that's interesting, is the Hawks beat the Clippers for the first time in three years. It, it had been since 2016. 
since Mike Budenholzer was head coach, and the it was the year after the magical ride that the Hawks took us on in 2015, that the Hawks have beaten the Ottawa Clippers. The Clippers have had the Hawks number the past two years. And so for the Hawks to go in to LA and get that big road win to start out the to start at the road western part of their uh, of their road trip was really sweet. So that was cool. Definitely. So your boy Trey Young and John Collins have been selected for the uh, Team USA in the rookie and sophomore game. What does an honor like this do not only for the Hawks but for Hawk fans? What when this honor does for the Hawks, for for the team itself, it is it shows that the team is trending in the right in the right direction. Where they have two young core guys that you can build around, not not only on the floor but off the floor, and and it definitely shows that the team and the fans need need to give Travis Slink a little credit because so far it looks like Collins and Young have. Have really taken their development uh, nicely. I know. I know we've seen a little bit more of John Collins than we have Trey Young, but but these two together have a chance to be an unstoppable force uh, in Atlanta. And and as far as fans, it gives us hope. You you know another good example of of watching two young guys uh, for an Atlanta team do so well together was watching what Albies and Acuna did, and how they developed kind of that dynamic duo. I think the Hawks have their own version in Trey and John. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested to, to watch Team USA in the, in the rookie-sophomore game when they take on uh, the world team. It should be a lot of fun. And Trey Young will get to head-to-head against Luka Doncic. So, so honestly, if you ask me like what's going to be the most fun part of All-Star Weekend, it might be the rookie-sophomore game, USA versus the world. I don't really care about the regular All-Star game. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've seen what LeBron can do and watching him travel and you know do all the stuff that he does. It's, so I'm really excited to see these young guys. And uh, as a Hawks fan, it, it gives me a lot of hope. And it should give Hawks fans everywhere hope that the process is slowly but surely turning. And, and these two are a big part of it. Speaking of the process... If if the NBA draft were today and the Hawks would have the fifth and tenth pick in the NBA draft, uh, what do you think is the biggest need for the Hawks? I think I think the biggest need right now for this Hawks team it is honestly another big man. I think I think another I think another young big man uh, would would fit really well on this team because you've got John Collins already as your primary like power forward. I think you could use a young center to go on this team. So so you could use the fifth pick for that and then you could always find another and then you could always find another like backup point guard or or maybe a backup like small forward because I'm hearing rumors about Torian Prince maybe being traded. I don't personally like that move, but but that's another option the Hawks could go. I but I definitely think the biggest need for this team it is either a scorer, like a shooting guard, to play off Kevin Herter uh, and give him some more flexibility, or or a big man that can play off John Collins, a five man. So so either a shooting guard, a two, or a five man, a center. Hmm. That's what I would say right now. But things can change, RG3. Things can change. Oh, most definitely. Things could change uh, almost instantly. Almost instantly. So yeah, RG3, we're going to talk one last little bit about the Super Bowl. And uh, and according to our man uh, Offset from uh, 
from Migos. I think he's got a really bold uh, prediction. Well, not necessarily bold, but, but he's got a heart prediction. And a lot of that is based off like where he's from. And he and Migos is from Atlanta, and and so they have like strong Georgia ties to former uh, Georgia running back Todd Gurley. So that's who your man Offset's going with for Migos. Yeah, yeah. Here. So he's um, he he's got that. Uh, he he's he's backing up his boy, his boy Gurley. Um, and it, I mean they um, the reporters even called him out like, "Hey, I, we know that's an emotional pick, um, but w- w- what do you think's really gonna happen?" And then he he stuck with it. He said uh, he said that Tom Brady's not going to retire because he's going to lose the Super Bowl. And and speaking of Tom Brady, what what was the quote our man Alejandro said last weekend? Oh, he he um he puts um what was it? He put stem cells in his in his Gatorade. There you have it, folks. <laughs> I think that's the reason why people think Tom Brady will play forever and defy Father Time. <laughs> Eventually, Father Time's going to catch up to you, Tom. Eventually, Father Time's going to catch up with you. So, RG3, that's going to do it for this week. It was a really short episode, but we talked a good bit of everything. We talked some Georgia basketball. We talked some Hawks, and it was fun. To you, have fun watching the Super Bowl, and uh, go dogs and go Hawks. Go Rams. This has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.